Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. The following podcast is a member of the Great Big Owl family. Hello and welcome or welcome back to the Keith Jiggers podcast. My name's... Hannah Norris. I am your host and a pregnant woman and many other things. And I'm here with my husband. Carl Donnelly. My co-host. Co-host, husband, father-to-be. Yeah. Um, that's it. Um, school. We went to school this week. Yeah, I know. We went to <laughs> NCT classes. NCT school, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Um, this podcast is about pregnancy um that's what's been happening in our lives for the last 33 weeks currently at week 33 of the pregnancy um and we've been recording these episodes since week six because when i got pregnant i realized i didn't really know anything hadn't asked anyone hadn't really paid any attention to any of my pregnant friends realized we hadn't spent much time with babies you know you've got friends who've got kids and you sort of spend time with the kids but actually the bit when they're babies that's when you see them the least, obviously. Yeah. So actually, yeah, we realise we are fundamentally unqualified. Yeah, which I think everybody sort of is. Um, but it was, uh, oh my God, we're going to talk a lot about NCT, but yeah. that, those ideas about community as well, that's so different now. Yes. Um, and Sorry, that's a loud car, not a... I think it was a motorbike or <laughs> moped, I reckon mm. that was a... Um, yeah, things about community and the way that we live so differently now and, yes. and the way that we understand or know about pregnancy and then what to do with a baby yeah. is is a bit more mysterious. Yes. Um, so, yeah, and I just want to say our little intro music is by my um, a band called The Vaudeville Smash who are one of my favourites in the world. They do the best live shows you've ever been to. It's so much fun. And I love them a lot. And they've been putting up some really cool um, videos that they've made over the years just on their Instagram and online. Yeah. They put one up the other day when they kind of did a sort of flash mob on a tram yeah. in Melbourne and just like had a little party. It was, cool. really, it was really good. So that's their music. It gets in my head after whenever I listen to an episode. The song's called Daisy. Yes. Um, so, yeah, we're at week 33 of pregnancy. Yes. Uh, Carl, do you know what size... What's like what absolutely massive fruit or vegetable it would have to be this week? Um, marrow. I keep thinking marrow. No, it's never going to be marrow. No, I don't think we even talked about it actually. It's a cauliflower. That's bigger than a cauliflower. <laughs> yeah. She's definitely bigger than a cauliflower now. She might be as heavy as a cauliflower. Oh, I think it was the same as three three pan of chocolats, three chocolate croissants, or a cauliflower. How are they the same thing? I don't think. Yeah, and pan of chocolats are. I don't think they're that big. Depends. There's very dependent on size. Yeah, we eat. Um, we eat pan of chocolates. What are the company that we just get? roll? Just roll do ones that are accidentally vegan, yeah. so we can eat them. So they're really you just cook them in the oven, take about twelve minutes, and you have 
fresh homemade pan yes. Other other um, pan are available. Yes. <laughs> we don't have to say that we're not tied down to any. No, but they are absolutely vegan, not. which is the which means that they have strange chemicals instead of butter oh, and yeah, things yeah. like that. Yeah, well, I don't fully advise them for health reasons. <laughs> but they are. They taste good. Um, and so this week, um, I get to finish putting progesterone up my vagina. Yeah. <laughs> How many? You've done that Forever. every week for every night for. I don't know. Like, it'd be. Like, I probably started in like week fifteen or something like that. Was that when it was? Yeah. Because you'd also done. You didn't do that during the run up to IVF. No. That was the injections, but yeah. also was there not? Oh, you were taking progesterone tablets, weren't you? Yeah. Did I put something into? No, I no, just once. Yeah, I had, had to, to do when we went in. For the yeah. retrieval, I had to put something. Yes, but so yeah, you were doing progesterone tablets. Penny, I can't remember. <laughs> yeah. And then yeah, so it's since it was when, what was it? It was when your cervix had slightly shortened yeah. to two and a half centimeters. Yeah. That they thought it would be best. Yeah. So that, yeah, it would have been early. Yeah. Yeah. So probably about eighteen weeks. However long that it, it's so weird when you think about weeks all the time. I have no idea what that means in months. Four, four over four months. Yes. Every night. Yeah. <sighs> These little bullets. I know. <laughs> <laughs> little bullets up the fan fan. And last um, night was the last. Yeah, it's going to be the last one. That's good. I'll miss them. Really? I'll, I'll just feel. I'll feel a bit like. What's become what? part, of, part of the routine, I suppose, an evening routine. And something we brush um, your teeth, whack a thing up your fanny. Yeah, we like. I've had I've had such a good pregnancy. <laughs> like talking to people or listening to other people's stories. You know, I I have been. I, f- I feel really fit and healthy and emotionally, hormonally really stable and normal. And there's those things like by having that progesterone is by stopping it is something suddenly going to change. Oh, yeah. You know, those, those sorts of things. Like has that, have I just been on a drug, which I have been. Yeah. That's made everything fine. Oh, I don't, yeah. I've not thought about that. Am I about to go mental? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so we'll find out. Um, but yeah, I, I just kind of double checked this morning as well online because I looked in my notes and there's nothing in there that tells me to stop at 30 when I hit 34 weeks. Yeah. So I just did a little Google and it seemed to be that's that's what they say that if you're um with the if you're at risk of preterm birth, which is what um if your cervix shortens too much is one of the reasons you could give birth prematurely. Um they say you have to stop at about 34 yes. or 34 to 36 weeks. So I'm, I'm doing it. Well, I suppose you're only a few weeks now from technically full term. Yes, which is 37, 37 weeks, weeks, we've yes. learned. <laughs> and obviously you're, you need to start, isn't it progesterone halts the uh, colostrum yeah. starting to grow? I, start, I, know, I know my stuff now. <laughs> I've become a real expert in pregnancy. Yeah. Um, uh, this week as well, I've washed a whole load of baby clothes. Oh my God, so we got given so many. It's so great. I'm so thankful to have been gifted a whole load of baby clothes. Yeah. Which, um, yeah, I mean, I know, yeah, we, I just washed everything because I brought some back from Australia and got given some here. Yeah. Um, and just that kind of gave me a chance to look at them and see what sizes they are and what we have. We've got a chest of drawers full. Yeah. Pretty much. We've got, we've basically, it looks like we've got her covered from birth to about no. one. Yeah. Nine months, maybe. Have, there'd be some recycled outfits then, but particularly the early days, that was what I was like. I don't. What do you buy? Because you don't really know what size they're going to be. Yeah. 
but thankfully from being gifted stuff we've got like tiny things which i just don't imagine she's gonna fit into no i think she's gonna come out a bit bigger than that. slightly smaller and then there's you know what seems might be her size but that idea of when you pack the hospital bag to have a couple of options yeah yeah yeah. rather than it being the kind of massive school blazer vibe yeah yeah when you just have to buy them something to fit into for a while um another thing we started doing this the last few days was looking at names again yeah, we realised that's, that's an odd one because we sort of settled on a couple of options yeah. months and months and mm-hmm. months ago and we've just totally forgotten to discuss it since. Yeah. And it was during NCT when people brought up names that we suddenly were like, oh, we've not even re-looked at the ones we... Yeah, which which I th- I, I still like them. You still like them? Uh, yeah. Of, and it's like, but there's that feeling of what if that's not what she seems to be when she yes, comes out yes there is that yeah everyone says you know it, it, i've heard it's quite a common occurrence that they have a name in mind mm. and then the baby comes out and it just does not suit them at all yeah so i think it's having some backups yeah is a good idea which include like i think we looked at lists of like what some what was some of the lists you were looking at i was looking there at was, irish names mm-hmm. welsh names yeah um some i looked at some uh, greek and roman goddess names yeah. i just went on a bit of a jaunt yeah of, i looked at like hippie bohemian names yeah 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 planet sure you got to space at some point i started looking at certain um yeah astrological things and also yeah uranus's moons have all got cool names <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I went a bit crazy yeah so we've got it we, we've expanded our list a bit which i think is good just to they're they're there and we can check in on them like i know i already looked at it again today and was like oh well i actually hate that one there's right, no way okay. that's going to be a name yeah but we can and because we done used that app quite early on as well didn't yes. we the baby name that i made you you were not particularly interested in doing it then but i was like there's this app you can get it's called baby name app and you use it like tinder or whatever that you swipe yeah you swipe if and you, you like both a name. do it yeah and you link it and the ones where you match go into a list yeah it's, quite, it's actually like a good name. it's just called like baby names or something yeah but it's, it's good if you both want to just independently because that's that thing that I think some people can have this conversation it can be quite tricky if yeah. they've got a name they're dead set on but what that app's good for is if you can do it in quite a fun way where you both just individually go off and do your thing yeah and then now and again Ding. check in and see when you've got a, a match yeah so you don't even have to really mess around with the conversation that if it's going to be something that might be a point of contention you can just treat it as a fun little app exercise and their name they're international names as well there's a if you're dutch get on there there's yeah. so many dutch chinese names, names. <laughs> yeah there was a period of time where i thought i might just pick a chinese one to see if hannah's yeah, into it well i mean this is the time as well where grimes and elon musk have just named their baby oh my god whatever that name i a, don't know how to say it a one two i don't even know how to say that symbol they've picked the a with the little thing off the side well this is i saw grimes's um explanation of what it was yeah and it's that's how she, she something to do with AI, like artificial intelligence. It kind of represents that, and it's also I, which is love. I think I is love in Japanese, actually. Okay. Um, and then the next thing was like their favorite aircraft, like SR twelve or yeah. something like that. Um, and then the last, I can't remember what the last thing is, but when I'd seen that the tweet, she'd said. She talked about the aircraft and Elon Musk mansplained and corrected her on the actual aircraft. Um, I can't help think, and this, you know, I don't like judging anyone who's, you know, ultimately you have to pick your child's name. They don't, they're Mm. not in a position to pick their own. 
But you've also got to think if you've if you've got to explain what their name means that much, you they will have to. So you know, there's certain things. Yeah. There's a difference between picking a name and knowing that they're sort of lumbered with it, and if they don't like it, whatever. But picking a name that actively takes that much explanation. Yeah. If if you have to do that, then you're you it's safe to assume that they're going to have to do that every time somebody asks their name. But doesn't it, like I loved. I knew what my name meant. Um, Hannah means God has favoured me. Yeah. And I I knew that as a kid and I loved knowing that, but my friends didn't know what their name meant. I didn't know meant. what mine... Do you know what it means? I can't remember it means. I think it means man or something. And like, <laughs> it's just boring. My parents are just boring choices. Yeah. Uh, but I had no idea what, uh, what my name meant when I was young. Yeah. So I like the idea of having a name that means something. Yeah. But I also like the idea of having a name and or middle names where they can choose. Yeah. And also something that doesn't take too much explanation. I think, I don't know, I just think you're setting them up for more admin than is necessary. Mm. It's, and I think sometimes picking a name that is so crazy that it's been designed by the parents and that it takes all this explanation isn't, I think that's quite an egotistical thing to put on another, to yeah. put on a little kid. I think the explanation thing is more, um, I think that problem comes more in people trying to pronounce it is yes. where it's hard yeah 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 um again i saw i saw a few tweets about that with people you know saying all these that fucking weird grimes name and then other names but then the teacher still can't say the chinese well, yeah, name yeah, yeah. or whatever it's like irish come names. on notoriously yeah. <laughs> difficult to pronounce for the english yeah because of the the difference in letters in the gaelic languages yeah they look fucked up yeah of course there's something in that though. Yeah, yeah. I like it. It's like a, it feels to me like a little secret language when I learn how to say one of them. Yeah. But I really like the name Neve. Yeah. N I A M H, which mm. sounds crazy when, in the, when you say it in English. But um, it's a lovely name. Mm. But yeah, I also think ultimately we live here and, you know, and or at some point we might end up in Australia or something. Once Them names, yeah, I, I wouldn't want to like, call her Neve because I just think she's going to have to keep going. No, it's. It's neat, it's neat. So I just, I, genu- I think you have to sort of park your ego a bit when, yeah. and just give them something that they won't have to constantly explain. But you also know in Australia, they're going to get a nickname. Yeah. That's going to happen. Definitely. Um, also this week, I think uh, I have this, I think I felt hiccups for the first yes. time. I think I felt her get the hiccups. Um, but it was also in the middle of the night. So I just really don't know if any of it happened. I was very sleepy and I woke up in the morning and I was like, yeah, she had hiccups. And then it just, I thought I'd looked stuff, I thought I'd looked stuff up on my phone, which I'd checked my phone and I hadn't looked it up. So I don't know if it was <laughs> all a dream, but yeah, this kind of, yeah, I think it was hiccups because that's something that's supposed to have happened. But I also then acknowledged that I don't really get hiccups. Um, I love hiccups. I don't get them. You get what are you? We we we've realised we both get similar ones. We don't get actual hiccups where it's a, a continuous. We might we tend to do one big hiccup <laughs> that is so loud. Yeah. So. Yeah, I used to always say that. Yeah, I loved. If I get hiccups, I'd get one and get so excited to get the next one. Like I'm not talking when I'm a kid. I'm talking about yeah. when I was 25. <laughs> I remember this. Get a hiccup. Get so excited. Get the next one, and then they'd stop, and I'd be like. Because I love them so much, yeah, they just yeah. leave me. Bleak. Um, we you also love something, you've got to let it go. That's what they say. If you yeah. truly love something. Yeah. Bye. Um, we also tried to watch an episode of the, a, new B- <laughs> a new BBC show called Life and Birth. 
I tried to watch that last night, but it was a bit too graphic. I yeah, think. it was a bit too... It's in the hospital. Like it's, I mean, I, it's probably along the lines of that one born every minute thing, which we haven't watched. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's not particularly about, I don't know. Like I don't, I don't really watch those hospital shows. I'm not that attracted to it. Um, but I don't particularly want to, I just want to do it. Yes. I also think there's a danger of watching too much of that. You get a bad idea. Of yeah. Because it is all very sterile hospital images yeah. and, people coming in out of wards and like you know a lot of machines and beeps and i just think you know that's what i think creates a lot of the negative ideas some people have of pregnancy yeah when that's not the case for every birth is it that's that's one type of birth probably the most common in the uk but you know there's still a a big percentage of people that don't go through that style and i guess that thing they'll they'll i'm sure they'll show a selection and a variation of births but how much like if if someone's going for a real private kind of, you know, a private birth in a dimly lit room, you can't have a camera crew. Exactly. There. They're, yeah, they're obviously, yeah, the, the actual show is hampered by the fact that a lot of the people who are having births, that they want to try and keep it a bit more personal and natural, aren't going to let them film. Yeah. So you're not probably going to get to see those. Yeah. And what was the, you described one of the partners quite graphically as a... Useless piece of meat. Yeah. <laughs> he was just such a. He just didn't know what to do. The, poor guy. The woman, the the woman giving birth. She, her mum was there, like holding her hand. And her best friend. And her best friend, and he was just she, lumping the best, around. The, the best room. friend was filming mm-hmm. the whole thing while she, literally laughing while her friend was screaming and stuff. And yeah, he just didn't have a clue today. The poor guy. No. And you thought I'd called the woman giving birth a useless piece of yeah, meat. Yeah, I thought you'd just just really <laughs> gone in hard on her <laughs> while she was struggling. I've decided just I've stored it up. So. Yeah, that's it. That's <laughs> something I'll say in labour. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so the main thing we did this week that we wanted to talk about is we are now complete um, childbirth, childbearing experts because <laughs> we did our NCT course, which my dad emailed this morning um, saying we've talked about NCT in a previous episode. Was that NTT or NCT? No. Is it National Childbirth Trust? So that was his subtle way of making me explain what it is. Yes. NCT, National Childbirth Trust, they, they are one of the um, organisations who offer antenatal classes in the UK so you can um, connect with other people in your area who are having babies and learn some stuff off some people. It's basically going to a proper hardcore antenatal school for like three days essentially. Yeah. But you also, the the offshoot of that is you meet people that are due in and around the same sort of three weeks, four weeks as you. Yeah. So you hopefully will have some people that you will know in the area with kids to have a little support network. Yeah. It's a great idea, and it is you know it's it is when you actually look at it, it's, I suppose it's quite it looks quite expensive, mm. you know. So it is. I think there's sort of um, what's the words views that it's sort of like a slightly middle class yeah. um, option, which if you can afford it, obviously if obviously if something's expensive, then it does exclude people. But um, having done it, I would say it, it's inte- you learn so much. Yeah, and that there are like. Because the hospital offers courses as well. There yeah, were, yeah, yeah. In, there are other options out there too. Um, but we'd been recommended this, yeah. you know, but again, by Felicity at the very early days yeah. when she just had her NCT. And obviously it's different for us because it was all over Zoom because we're all still in lockdown. Yeah. So that 
I mean, that puts a really interesting part to it that we haven't actually met each other, you know? No, it's kind of a... it definitely put, it puts a little barrier between that yeah. natural thing of meeting people, in person making friends. Yeah, actually being in the room with these four other pregnant women and partners. Yeah, well, you let your guard down and you can make eye contact and there's just things that I think the natural human contact is lost. Yeah. But everyone's super nice still. Yeah. And like you, can, you can still tell if people are nice just even via Zoom, can't you? And what I was thinking, you know, like, it's kind of that speed dating vibe. Yes. Like you meet, you're kind of meeting people. And um, I'd, I I never really have done any of that, like, gen, like that dating kind yeah, of online. Yeah, 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 yeah. Online-y stuff. So it's, <laughs> yeah, novices. How do we, how do we attract them to us? <laughs> um, but I realised, I just looked in my notebooks. I've taken 17 pages of notes. Yeah, you were, I mean, because I think is, uh, you were scribbling away. Even though they were clearly going to send the information afterwards on PowerPoint. Oh, we got 5,000 links and emails. Yeah, there. there's so many that actually I think making the notes was a good thing to add on top. I've, I've learned that that is actually how I learn best. When people talk to me and I write notes, yeah. that's when I retain information. Because even these, like the fact that we've been reading quite a lot of books, yeah. I can't necessarily, like I know it's gone in there, but I don't necessarily just go, oh, this is what yes. I've just learned from this. Um, so... <laughs> We yeah, so that we had two full days, which were yeah. nine thirty till four o'clock on Zoom. Yeah, and after that, we both said how tight like. Oh my god! Everyone the next day yeah. was saying like the first day I think caught everyone off guard. Yeah. Second day I think we were a bit more prepared for what we were in for, so it wasn't as harsh. But yeah, everyone on day two was saying that they just crashed after the first day. Yeah. It was a proper long school day, yeah. wasn't it? Intense intake of information. And then we had another. A th- a third day, which was all about breastfeeding. Yes. That was 9.30 to one forty-five or 2 o'clock. Um, so I was just thinking about talking through some of the stuff that... Yeah. Of, and mm-hmm. also, I suppose I the like schedule... The, yeah, the, the schedule of it was... Day one was sort of birth plans, yeah. wasn't it? Build up, birth plans, options of birth. And then day two was more, once you've got the baby home, yeah. them early weeks and months. Yeah. And then obviously breastfeeding was its own thing because it's such a big... Uh, concept and, yeah. and discussion so one of the things i had was um about 96 96% of babies don't arrive on their due date yes which is kind of known but that that um when you're full ter- full term is it it's 37 weeks to 42 weeks yes so it's actually a five week window yeah. that everything's like okay this is your baby's ready now yeah 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 um and that a lot of first time mums it's between, it's kind of 40 weeks to 41 weeks. Yeah. Um, There's no such thing as a late baby, as yeah. they say in the hypnobirthing book. <laughs> it's Carl's mantra. <laughs> it is my mantra. I really like it. Yeah. I just yeah. like the idea that, I, I like, yeah, because I think it's that learning that they, hearing the word due date, I think has created a culture of, oh, that's when it has to come out. Yeah. And I like that concept of, no, there's a window of probably six weeks that that baby, when it's ready, will come out. Yeah. That's much more. I like that. Yeah. Um, and then one of the things I found from the first day was about the stages of labour. Yes. About stage. There's a first stage. Yeah. Which that's active, established labour. That can take up to 10 hours. Yeah. And that's kind of, that's when you're getting dilated. Yep. I think it was, we get four, four to point, ten centimetres dilated. That doesn't mean that. your waters are broken. Your waters might not have broken at that point, if I remember correctly. Yeah, that doesn't. They don't have to have broken to be in the f- first stage. Yeah. 
maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just basing mine off memory. But you're getting contractions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Five to five to twenty minutes. Every five to twenty minutes, and they last for at least thirty to forty-five seconds. Yes. And then, and then you go into a transition, which takes twenty to thirty minutes. Yeah. And that's when you're nine to ten centimeters dilated. And the contractions last up to 90 seconds and they come every two to three minutes. Yes. And then the second stage is the pushing one. Yeah. That's when adrenaline kicks in as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that can last from a few minutes to two hours. Yes. So it's like that's the actual push. That's when the the baby's coming, isn't it? That's when the head's going to start coming out. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then the third stage is when you give birth to the placenta. Yes. And the membranes. Yeah. Just for me, kind of having those ideas of timelines for that was like, okay. Yeah. So even knowing that the pushing section, yeah, from a few minutes to two hours. Yeah. Like that's still, I, I can comprehend that spectrum. Well, yeah. Because like, what does that, when somebody says they had a 24 hour labor, 36 hour labor, mm. does that just mean the first stage? The early parts of the first stage were much more dragged out. Is that what they're I, saying? Yeah, well, I think it's, prob- it's probably when you start feeling contractions, yes. right? Like, so getting into that, th- that's pr- prior to that first stage because that's, yeah, the first stage is when you are four to ten centimetres dilated. Yeah, so it must be when you're just below. F- you can, people can, like, you know, from what I gather, some people have been in quite a lot of discomfort and feel like they're much further along and then they find out they're like one centimetre dilated. So yeah. I suppose that that's what can drag it out for much yeah. longer is when that early bit is a bit more tricky but isn't actually you're, you're not even in the first stage yeah yet. you're not in labor yes but that as well as uh, that some people can kind of go into hospital and it's wait they're like you're not ready yeah, to be yeah, here yeah, yet yeah. you're not actually in labor yes because we're not at that stage your contractions are still too far apart yep even if you're feeling it and it's happening it's not really happening yeah um which you know it's interesting Very. and some people in that you know pe- books that i've read some people can just go to sleep in that bin. Yeah. Which is what you said to me the other night when we were, we were asleep a couple of nights ago and you felt we were lying close to each other and oh, you could was feel... really banging around. Yeah. So I've I said that. Asleep. I told you the other day about my little secret late night chats. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Basically, shit, yeah. So sometimes you sleep, when you're asleep... You go to sleep before me, you know. Yeah. Nowadays, like, I tend to carry on reading for an extra half an hour or something, and then you're leaning on me. And there's a lot of times in the last couple of weeks where you've been asleep and she's banging, and because the way you're leaning, she's banging on me. Yeah. And it sort of feels like we're having a little sneaky chat behind your back. It's all right. You're allowed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, well. Yeah. <laughs> we're not talking about you. <laughs> um, but yeah, she honestly the other day she did one that was such a like again you know. Normally it's like she's banging and I can have a little feel. Yeah. But I felt not a bang. It was a push and it was almost like sort of, you know, running your elbow down or, you know, something. I felt her really yeah. lean out and down. It was weird. Yeah. And you were surprised that I was just asleep. You were just sound asleep. Which is what, you know, again, comparing how I'm going with other people, you know, I pretty much sleep. I might get up once to go to the toilet, but. Yeah. I sleep through the night, really. Yeah, yeah. But how you would sleep through that? That is, yeah. Like I, I, it would have woken me up if I was, if I'd have felt that prod on me. Yeah. And I, you <laughs> yeah. know what I mean. Yeah. But it was inside you. And that's the thing at the moment. I keep thinking. I feel like she's sideways. Yes. Which is what I was as a baby. That's why my mum had to have a cesarean because yeah. I was transverse, 
Um, but we'll see, you know. She she's, might be just moving on her way down yeah, to the right shape. Which is now, because from kind of stopping the progesterone, I'll be more encouraging of that idea. Yes. Rather than just not encouraging. Um, so that were the stages of labour. The other thing that we kind of then went into little groups at one point on Zoom and talked about the different kind of drugs that yeah. you can take in labour. Now, people who've been listening to this uh, know that I'm very much, I've the whole way through, I'm like, I want it to be as natural as possible. And we've talked, we're looking at home birth. Don't know if that's an option, but um, I haven't really considered optional drugs yeah. or epidurals or anything like that. Um, and we were in a group with two other people and they both already knew they're having an epidural the moment yeah. they get to hospital. But, what, was, but yeah, one for definite for health reasons they, yeah. they've actually been advised um and i can't remember the other was it similar there was a there was a reason there was a purpose to it uh i think no i think she was just wanted to have an epidural no, just nervous. I was, yeah. yeah yeah i think because yeah it was really interesting because like again and this isn't a judgmenty thing it was no. but it's just that thing of i've just spent eight months whatever listening to you talk about it <laughs> yeah. talk, and you know and you, yeah, because you you haven't yeah because you haven't even raised that as an issue. I forgot that actually it's very very common. Yeah, that, you know people just like no, I just want it to go as pain free as possible. Baby, get out, and then we can actually get on with our lives. That's the most normal yeah. way of looking at it. I think in in our culture. Yeah, and it's definitely um, yeah. I don't I don't feel judgmental towards it at all. I was just I was surprised because I've been so on yeah like you're saying just on my own path about it and what I've been thinking yeah. about. What I want it to be, it's like, oh, right, okay. And then it seemed, when we joined back with the rest of the group, it was definitely, seemed that that was more of the vibe yeah, yeah, yeah. there. Well, I think it's more of the vibe in general. Yeah. I just do think we just forget that we're a couple of bloody hippies. Mm -hmm. So learning about the different stages of drugs as well, which is what I had, also I had no idea about it because I haven't asked any questions yeah. about it. And gas and air, that's the one yeah. thing that really surprised me was gas and air has obviously seemed, seen as the like bottom layer yeah right that's you'll get that everyone gets that but you know then that's not really painkilling but then the, the um rachel who held the nct class she was saying that gas and air when you actually think about it that's a, it's still a pretty strong pain relief you know that's what they use for broken bones that's what and they use in a and e a and e Ga gas and air is your go-to pain relief yeah yes yeah, nitrous oxide it is strong yeah. yeah anyone who's tried it in the past so like we forget that because I think people think of it, a pregnancy as such a different, such extreme thing. Yeah. That gas and air can't, they think that couldn't possibly hurt. But anyone who's broken a bone will know that can be painful. And yeah. gas and air relieves that. So. And um, that, that, yeah, that, that's kind of the first level of drug that you yeah. can go for. The second one was um, diamorphine or pethidine. Which, yeah. So that's like a morphine based. Yeah. Hard, that's pretty hardcore painkiller. That'll. Um, that'll give get it's you. not as strong as morphine no it's like a diet it's a diet morphine diet morphine, <laughs> diet morphine. <laughs> morphine zero <laughs> um but that it it can make the birth come on sooner because it relaxes you yes but it can also i think it can cross the placenta to it the baby can, yeah, yeah. so the baby can come out a bit dopey yeah um because it's just had a head of horse <laughs> <laughs> But that's kind of the, the next one that you can go to. And then epidural is after that. Yeah. And epidural is one where basically you're numb from the waist down. Yeah. So yeah, they guide you through the birth. And that is the one that is no, like pretty much pain free, isn't it? Yeah. 
yeah. some people still feel sort of something. And that, yeah, that whole yeah. thing about there's only windows where you can elect to have it. That it might be too deep into your label yes. for it to be um, make any impact. Yes, yeah, one of them ones where you've got to really ask for it early doors, and they've got to make sure everything's okay to do it. Yeah. Hello, my name is Pete Ellison. This is Dave Cribb. Hello, and we do a podcast called Friends with Friends, as you might have guessed from the music that's playing underneath, uh, which is a sort of lo-fi rendition of the Friends theme tune for rights reasons. We get a different guest on every week on our podcast to talk about their favourite episode of Friends. And we look through in excruciating detail. We pick through levels of plots like no one has ever done before. So if you like Friends or just listening to people talking, which are both valid activities, do look us up on the old podcast app and that friends with friends and we're on twitter at friends wf hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on linkedin you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Um... So yeah, in in thinking about that stuff as well, in relation to what these drugs are used for in other circumstances, like yeah, I was saying I kind of tr- I'm sort of late to go to the doctor if I've got something wrong with me. I'd just go, let's write it out and see what's yeah. what's happening. If I've got a cold, I'll go for ginger and lemon before yes. I go for cold and flu tablets. If um if I've got period pain i'll kind of just write it out but then with all those things the moment i take a cold and flu tablet i'm like oh that really works That's yeah, great. yeah yeah the moment i take a paracetamol but i've got period pain i'm like oh there it's gone now so that's a good thing yes so sort of looking at different areas and if, if i had a broken bone i wouldn't be going to hospital going i'm just gonna deal with this naturally yeah i'd be like but give, yeah whatever you want yeah, to make yeah, the yeah. pain go away while you fix it yeah i'll do that but i think having that malleability is the that's the best way of going into it isn't it mm. yeah, that's why people say have a birth plan then be willing to throw it in the, out the window and have a second one and like so your first birth plan is all natural yeah bloody me playing my hippie music and banging <laughs> my tibetan singing bowls and you know you just breathing and the baby just pops out and, yeah, and slides just, you know so world. that's obviously the uh, an, uh, unobtainable dream but it's still that's yeah, it's ideal always have a, an ideal option as like that that would be what you like the most yeah but then the fact that you're not dead against, or like you know, you're not yeah. somebody who's saying no, I will not have an epidural. If if there's complications, you know, you're malleable enough that you'll go with. 
yeah. the doctors. And if that complication advice. is just like, it really fucking hurts, and I don't like it. Yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> that, will, that will get solved. And, actually, and I think that NCT, hearing people just talk about their options and like, I think hearing other people say, no, I'm planning on this or I've been advised this and actually suddenly realise, oh yeah, of course. It's, yeah. It's, yeah, there's so, so many other options. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> one of the next things I like that stood out to me that we talked about was poos and wheeze. Yes. What's the poos, Carl? Well, there's three early stages of poo, isn't yeah. there? There's the um, first couple of days. It's very sticky and dark. <laughs> yeah. Meconium. Yeah. Then it uh, moves into sort of almost a dark green, slightly lighter, normal stage for a couple of days. Yeah, and then it. Well, what you want by about day six is quite a runny, light brown, like a mustardy kind of Yeah, color. and then sort of in numbers wise, is it? You just what you want a couple the first. Yeah. Day, basically by the end of the first week, what you want is about a couple of poos, about five wees or six something. Wees, six yeah. wees, yeah. Basically, yeah, it's around the number of days to wees. Yeah. And then a couple of poos. Yeah. <laughs> How do you feel about that? Do you know what? The more we've looked and talked about it, and yeah, the, yeah, as it's, I don't know, it, maybe it, it is the fact that it's an information thing that I'm learning more, or it is a, maybe a, I don't know, a genetic thing as as yeah. the reality gets nearer, my body is prepared, but it's not, I'm not feeling as uncomfortable about it as I would have done a, m- a month ago. Yeah. So I think I'm getting on board. Yeah. Yeah. And there's this thing as well that kind of, photographing the nappies as well that you there's that and we've also this, this week we've I, yep. I, i've painted a blackboard sort of into it we've got this uh, like, it's an airline trolley it's an airline trolley turned into a bar yep because <laughs> it locks very securely and it means that yes. kids can't get into it we were going to get rid of it can. but we, we worked out it's a really good yeah. like, option to, hold, like, to keep our booze in and uh, i've painted each side with blackboard paint so it's now like a sort of quite cool blackboard we can write on and that's where we're going to, early days, keep notes of wheeze, poos. Boobs. Boobs. Yeah. General. It's going to be your scorecard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Share it on Instagram. Yeah. Um, and the other thing was uh, the the cord, when the cord falls off. Yes. You go home and the cord's still on there. Yeah, like yeah. 12 days, 10 to 12 yeah, days. Yeah, it can be up to that long and it just goes sort of black and just falls off and you just put it in the bin. Yeah. <laughs> Because that was that funny. was Carl's first yeah. question. <laughs> she asked about any questions about the cord, and I just couldn't help myself. I went, when it falls off, do you just put it in the bin? <laughs> yeah. And then you weirdly asked a similar question about the colostrum. If you do colostrum oh, harvesting, yeah. she said any questions. You went, and then you just put it in the bin. <laughs> I feel like all the other couples were like them too. I'm really obsessed with putting <laughs> stuff in the bin. Otherwise, I hold on to it forever, and we'll have. That's my my friend Willow. I, I, her kids are over twenty now, but I know that she kept the placentas. And that she had twins. Yeah. Maybe, do you get 1% or 2%? I don't know. She kept the placenta and it was in her mum's freezer at least for 12 years. <laughs> I don't know if they're still there or if yeah. she finally did something with them. But she wanted, she kept the placenta. She, she's just like, she was, a, she was living in a teepee and stuff. She was yeah, proper yeah, hippie. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I always remember that the placentas <laughs> were in her mum's freezer. Oh my God. Another one I remember at school, my friend Lauren, her mum had a baby we were 14 and her mum had a baby with a new partner and that in her freezer she had condoms full of water that were frozen Why? that she was going to put up her fanny when she was in labor to cool it down oh my god that's a... i think she had a home home water birth as well it all it all kind of happened you know we weren't we weren't involved um 
But I remember, yeah, in Lawrence Fraser, there were all these condoms oh, with water, full up of water. Yucky. Might Google that and see what that was about. Um, the the growth of the brain of the baby's brain. Yeah, omega three. Apparently, get your omega threes in. Mm-hmm. Because that's that good bit. for brain development, yeah. Um, but that it goes from the size of, I think, a cherry. Oh, yeah. In, in the first um, six no, months. No, no. So the, the brain was a satsuma at six months yeah. to an orange. At and then by 18 months, months, it's mango. Yes. And if this, the rest of the body was growing in the same way, they'd be like four foot. Yeah. <laughs> Just tall at 18 foot, months. 18 months. Four foot toddler. Yeah. That was... um. That was a thing. Because what was the stomach? There was a stomach size yeah, chart the, as well, which yeah. was a cherry, wasn't it? The cherry stomach, to begin. The cherry, cherry on day one. And then. And then it went to. I'm not on that page in my notes. Oh, yet. sorry. I've um, just jumped forward in my mind. It went to something else. Okay, got it. Yeah. It was a cherry on day one. Yes. and can only take in five mils of liquid at one time. Yeah. And it passes through quite quick. As yeah. Well. That's why they do. Weasel. That's why they need, they need to feed so much because yes. they've got a tiny cherry stomach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then on day two, it's already a walnut. Yeah. Taking about 25 mils. Yeah. By day seven, it's about the size of an apricot, taking in 50 mils. Yeah. And then by one month, it's the size of an egg. Yeah. And can take up to 150 mils at the most. Yeah. And so that was a thing that our breastfeeding guide. Egg guru. <laughs> Oh, breastfeeding sage. Oh, breastfeed, breastfeeding guide sage syrup. <laughs> <laughs> um, she said that a lot of formula, they will have, that a baby should have a 250 mil yeah. bottle. Which for six months is just massively it's overfeeding. Than, yeah. For one yeah. And for one month it's, yeah, from one month onward, they can only take in 150 mils. Yes. So that's, can, has impacted on the kind of obesity ad- op- epidemic because yes. babies' stomachs are getting stretched and kids' yeah, stomachs yeah. getting stretched so much. And it teaches, yeah, it just, it just um, in terms of learning to eat and intake, it just makes your self-regulation uh, ability lesser, doesn't yeah. it? Interesting yeah. stuff. <laughs> Interesting stuff. And that was the, um, was there anything else from the first couple of days that you really felt stood out in your mind no i think it was no because i actually i do there's think loads of there was so much information i thought it was all brilliant but a lot of it is stuff we've sort of looked into a bit during the doing of the podcast mm-hmm. and talking to people and hearing a lot of birth stories it was stuff that i knew the, a bit about but it was getting the science behind it and all the genuine understanding and just them first sort of you know that first few weeks and months the first six weeks seems to be that after six weeks is yeah. when things start to chill out. Yeah, was that was the real like? Yeah, that's when they get into a routine mm-hmm. and you know uh, naturally their own routine. You know, it's not a thing if you've not forced a routine. If you just go with it for the first six weeks, it can be hard and knackering. And but actually, babies start forming their own routine. Then, yeah, and that's when you start working out what you, what you're doing a bit. And yeah. so that first six weeks is a blur. That but you're both a, a learning nice, about each other. Yeah. Yeah, so I I think just hearing somebody talk you through it, just get going, leaving the hospital and going home, and you know things like that. It was just really, you know, it's, I found it very calming, and you know, yeah. not, not like I've been stressed about it, or I don't think we have. I don't think you have. I think we're no. both going into it really, just like calmly. But I think even just hearing about it even more in a much more time frame thing from right, this is what what will happen once you go into labour. Yeah. To here's what you'll probably be like in six weeks after the birth. Yeah. 
just over two days quite extensively really just made me go oh yeah it's manageable it's totally manageable and it's that thing of kind of sitting down with a professional yeah who knows lots of stuff and then um those yeah just that idea particularly like because because when we had to ask questions of what we wanted to find out Mine was mainly what do you do once the baby once he got a baby? Yeah, <laughs> that and what where do, do we can we put things in the bin? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that was our questions, but um, yeah, it was I suppose yeah. And that's definitely made I feel more confident about that kind of stuff. I think so. Done the- I do think, and again, this goes from just talking to everyone we've talked to and watching you get ready. Yeah, I think you know a lot of pregnancy is spent sort of like planning for the birth yeah you know prepping maybe stressing a bit or getting nervous and trying to work out a way of getting through what is going what is deemed a very um you know tough experience um and then it's spent thinking about right how are we going to get the baby into a sleeping pattern and you know things like feeding patterns like you end up i think you jump that first six weeks a lot of people yeah they don't think about the initial we're just going to be lying around on a sofa Boobs out. Boobs out. <laughs> a baby that we have no idea what we're doing. Like that first six weeks probably is going to be the most extreme and crazy in terms of like your life goes from there's two of you, and yeah, for the last sort of six weeks, two months, you're you might lose a bit of mobility and things, but actually you're still just sitting around watching telly and making food, and suddenly there is just other person. Yeah. So that first six weeks, I think, is the most probably the least talked about. Yeah. From what I gather. Yeah. And I think maybe because it is a, because they are quite personal relationships as you get to know this new person and yeah. what they need and and how they respond, how you respond to each other. That's one of the, the main things about this course is a lot about responsive yes. parenting. So it's not about kind of assuming or, or trying to find a schedule and put it onto the baby, but yeah. um, sort of the, the idea, a lot of it that the baby will tell you yeah. what its needs are and to, and to be sort of open and responsive and and that that's that that is not gonna fuck them up later on and make them the boss of you and no. make them too attached to you it actually makes them more secure well that's what and it goes into the breastfeeding yeah. yesterday um and weirdly it ties in i've just this week i've read i'm just I'm literally just about to finish it um, how not to fuck them up, which is sort of the follow up to one that I talked about on here yeah. months ago now, which was "They Fuck You Up" by Oliver James, and this is basically a parenting book from a from a clinical psychology side, and basically his whole ethos is responsive parenting. You yeah. know, then first not not just the first six weeks, but the first three years of your child's life. Yeah, he said you should if you want the most well balanced emotionally, mentally um physically you know just in terms of like creating a person who's going to function well he said them first three years you should be responsive parents in the whole time yeah you know there's elements of structure you can put in you know but you've got to build it around them rather than around your schedule yeah. otherwise you're going to cause some long-term damage which sound, he puts it in a quite a harsh way and i think it would be quite I hate the word, but triggering for some people. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? But what it is, it's quite a challenging view. He's putting it in very black and white language of, you know what I mean? This isn't about you anymore. You've brought a child into the world. This is about them. And so it's really interesting to read. And it's sort of, but in much nicer terms, the yesterday, the breastfeeding. 
guru Cordelia. Yeah, she put it in much nicer terms. If you know, you've got to just let your baby lead you in the sense of they they're in, they're instinctively born knowing how to feed and things like that, and you've just got to react because you've got what forty years of conditioning like in the world and like in you know you've been hit with all this information about how difficult breastfeeding is and all this yeah. so actually you've got probably more reticence about breastfeeding than the baby does yeah so you've got to just let the baby lead it almost and the the thing she said to google and look into a secure attachment yes so that's kind of what you're creating and that's the yeah that's the idea well, that's what Oliver James talks a bit about insecure attachment, which mm-hmm. is what a lot of children yeah. that seem very independent because they've been sort of left to their own devices a bit too much. You know, they were put in childcare very early and maybe were cried out a bit too early. And like, so they've these babies learned so young that they've they've sort of got to be self reliant, and then um, it, they can they can sort of learn to have sort of more insecure attachments and like yeah. So it's yeah. The idea is that through kind of giving them security and responding to them they actually become more because they're secure they yeah. become more independent yes and the things that you might be trying to instill in them by giving them a routine and and trying to um yeah trying to trying to impose or put your own ideas yeah, on yeah, it yeah, yeah. that that can make them less secure and therefore yeah more dependent well he you know? i mean it, probably the bit i would say that would upset people the most reading that book is the bit about child care you know, especially like daycare nurseries where you're putting a child in with other kids at a very young age. Yeah. Say you're going back to work and stuff. That's why I think it'd be quite challenging because it could be read as mothers that go back to work are harming their children yeah. if it was read in the sort of certain terms. But it says about um, measuring, they've measured cortisol levels in babies and, you know, babies that are sort of left to cry out and babies that are young like say one-year-olds who are sent to nursery like very early what's it pre-nursery whatever it yeah. is so people like there was the new labor brought in a thing called sure start which was to help like single mothers and stuff going back to work but actually they did tests on some of the kids and it showed their cortisol levels spiked the moment they were put into daycare and they tested them when they're like you know, 10 years old, 10 years later, and their cortisol, cortisol levels were much higher than kids who weren't put in daycare. Yeah. So there's like, you know, it sounds harsh, but it also just made, makes you think that, oh, fuck, we need, yeah, you just want to just smother the kid with as much love as possible and try and yeah. not Well, that was one of them, wasn't it? You can't overlove a, a child. You can't overlove. Yeah. Someone, one of them said something to do with that. But I also, I mean, I've just learned recently as well, in, in America, kind of for maternity leave, the general... Maternity leave can be two weeks That's or six insane. weeks. So particularly people who might be in a circumstance where they're not, um, you know, they're, they're working at McDonald's or something like that, have a baby and yeah, two weeks yeah. later they've got what, to go. So they don't get the support. No, got to go back to work and find someone to look after the kid for yeah. eight hours. And well, that's what he sort of single parents. talks about mm. is the sense of what's happened is we've created a society where women are expected to work very soon after their but babies are due because they don't they're not given support you know yeah. really obviously if you're in a job that's good enough that's and it's got maternity leave that is good enough then you do get a certain amount of support but yeah. a lot of women are you know that sort of are in jobs where they don't get the support so they physically have to go back to work and they're they're, they're ba- you know we've given support to the babies to go into like daycares and nurseries but yeah. what this book talks about is that we've sort of then retrospectively justified that as a good thing for the kids 
rather than what it should be is an indictment on the society yeah. that has created a system where mothers don't get that first them first couple of years with their children. And again, I think, you know, we have that lucky, again, I feel lucky about that situation in your line of work, you know, that it's not, an, I mean, everything's different right now, but that you don't have a full-time job that you're supposed to go back to. And no. so say if I wanted to go to work or if I got something that came up, you know, in theory you'd have days free or could adjust things. Well, so yeah, our schedules could that. work around each yeah. other. So that we can both work. Yeah, totally. I mean, I mean, again, yeah, this comes from a place of we're l- lucky and privileged to have fallen into this yeah. like, lifestyle. But uh, yeah, I think, you know, from reading this, I would be very... Uh, so I'd really want for them first three years at no point it, the baby to not be being looked after by one of us. Yeah. That's what he said. And he doesn't, he doesn't just say mothers. He's not saying what he means is primary caregiver. Yeah. So if, you know, yeah, if the mother goes back to work, it should be the father. It should be a close family member. It should be somebody they're totally comfortable with that is like a, it's basically a replacement mother. But putting them into a big group of kids that are looked after by one person who can't give that person, that baby, total attention really yeah. then it's that's when it can cause long-term damaging effects it's I mean, hard it sounds it's scary when you read it you're like oh my god and it is that tricky thing you know because um like the cordelia the guru breastfeeding guru she recommended a couple of books that we've bought yes um already because uh there is that thing there's so many ideas and books and things out there obviously we're attracted to and um talking about things that we feel will work for us and come from a place of something that we agree with or can can take on and want to take on it's just I I can't imagine how hard it would be if you read something like that and then you just like I can't how do I make that work I can't do that like you were saying about someone who goes well am I damaging my child well this is a disclaimer he does put in is as long, or basically, it, he's not saying if you go back to work after nine months or something, six months, then you're harming your baby. What he says is you have to work out a way to, that they are getting good enough replacement care. Yeah. Like he said that is the main thing you can do. So, because he said the actual danger, some mothers who aren't natural, you know, sort of aren't the sort of mothers who are just endlessly sort of smothering their baby. And that's just a personality type. There are some people that are much better parenting toddlers than they are babies and vice yeah. versa or better with looking after older kids um he said um that actually you know the last thing you want that baby to have is a mother who's sort of resenting the fact they can't go back to work because they yeah. want their independence and you know then they get depressed and actually you can have a mother at home who's depressed and in post prenatal postnatal depression that will do more harm than if they'd gone to work and found a good replacement primary caregiver yeah so actually it's about He's saying that, you know, it's about just finding whoever it is, being it mother, father, gran, aunt, whatever, a nurse or, you know, somebody, nanny, nanny type, you know. Yeah, he says just if if you're not going to be the best person to do it, then you've got to check your ego and find somebody who will do it better yeah. while you're at work and accept that that actually is better for the kid because you you would have been more damaging. So, again, it's hard to read. You read it and you're like, fuck, this is pretty brutal. But, you know, you're talking about the actual early day developmental science of a baby. Yeah. And there, there is always a chance to repair things. That's another to, thing yeah. he says. You can repair a lot of stuff yeah. with like, you know, 
I've forgotten his phrase he uses, but it's about where you just basically overload them with love down the line and sort of smother them and try and sort of just get them, get them back. I remember a phrase from our breastfeeding um, thing yesterday that I've taken on board, which is, if you can drink and drive, then you can drink and feed. Yeah, that was, that was yeah, that was, <laughs> that's good. Um, that was about, yeah, alcohol and caffeine intake while you're breastfeeding. Yeah, yeah. And kind of like... Early doors don't go mental, don't don't get drunk, but that you can have a drink. Yes. While you breastfeed. But that caffeine takes longer to go out of the system. Yeah. And she said it takes like seven hours or something for the for the caffeine to leave your system. And so she's like, But you won't make that mistake again if you drink too much coffee, you're gonna have a wired baby and yeah. you will you just won't do it again because it's <laughs> the worst. Yeah. But <laughs> the booze doesn't seem to be as um as problematic. Um, with the breastfeeding, I guess one one of the biggest things that I'd, again, I'd said at the start of the session was that something for me that I know happens, but if someone's breastfeeding around me, I have that thing of going, that's cool, they can breastfeed, like, that's good. But I don't look. No. I don't watch the no, breastfeeding. No, not at all. So I realised I'd never really watched breastfeeding. I don't really know no. what it looks like. It feels like a private thing yeah. to watch, even though it shouldn't be. Well, it's just it, like, it, it's, it is, it's, it's a part of the acceptance. Just going, that's what you're doing. Yes. I'm cool with it. I'm not going to make a big deal about that. I'm yeah, going to yeah, keep yeah, talking yeah. to you, eyes, eye contact. But you're not going to physically <laughs> stare at their boobs. I'm not going to have a look yeah. at um, how the baby's what's going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not, I'm not looking at your boob, basically. Yeah out of respect for you yes. and what you're doing. So from that point of view, never really seen it, yeah. really. So watching some of those videos that she's shared, and it's all about how the baby has to get a mouthful of boob, I like know. it's not just a nipple. I didn't know that. They have to, and, it, and it goes right into the, like into the roof of your, past the roof of your mouth, which is, what was it? You put the knuckle. Put your thumb, put your thumb along put, the, the roof of your mouth. And basically yeah. it's hard, 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 hard. And then you get to the bit where it's soft, right? Quite far back, almost hit your gag reflex bit. Yeah. He so said that's where the actual tip of the nipple should hit on the baby's mouth. Yeah, that's how much boob they've got to get into their mouth. Yes. How deep it has to go for the for the milk to kind of just easily go down. And for it to be in the position where the milk comes out smoothly. Yeah. Yes. That's fascinating. Which, yeah, before now, I would... Before being pregnant, I just would have thought you just sucked. You just went on the nipple, like, and it just comes out. But even the sounds, wasn't it? If you if you hear kind of those sounds, then, then they're not bad. attaching properly. Yeah, just kind of deep swallowing sounds. Yeah, yeah. And then um, about a bottle, like if you're if you hold it vertically, basically they they can't stop drinking it. <laughs> so it's like making them skull skull the bottle, isn't yeah. it? So. Um, it will just go. It will just keep going until they're finished. Whereas you want it to be at a angle where they can actually suck the bottle, yeah, and yeah. as if they were trying to get milk out. Um, that was that was one thing. Yeah, I I was really just the thing that caught. I stuck with me was the fact that she said, "Is it ninety seven point five percent of mothers can supply can provide <laughs> enough milk for their babies." You know, because I think, again, this comes probably from a cultural thing and just the narrative that yeah. breastfeeding is sort of spoken about as if it's it's 
a tricky thing. Yeah. A lot of people can't do it. A lot of babies can't do it. Like, And actually what she said was that's just not true. Like only two and a half percent of mothers have actually a health issue that me or a baby does that means they can't feed yeah. via breastfeeding. And everything else normally is just a practical issue that could be with support could be fixed but obviously they just don't really get the support as and such. kind of like one of the first memes that she showed was it about it being like a dance like you might you're a bit uncoordinated yeah. at first but you just stick with it and you keep dancing and then yeah you find you know you can do it yeah. after a while and that just that, that that was the thing that was almost like the learning about the the due date being just a bit of a yeah. myth to me that was like a thing i was like oh that is essentially cultural programming we're yeah. just told in you know, in adverts for formula milk, to make it su- suggest they suggest that breastfeeding is like, oh, that's probably won't work. It's tricky. Why not just use this? And like, you just realise you've sort of been hoodwinked. Yeah, and particularly like she talked about in kind of ev- evolutionary terms, which is something that I think we're both interested in. And so, for example, um, the reason why babies feed in the night, like when you were when we were cave people, that that's a safe quiet time yeah when you're surrounded by your people yeah when everyone's in the cave with you that it's going to be safe for the baby to be awake yeah and and take on food and that's still programmed into the baby yeah and that um the other thing was the little experiment she got us to do which was to look at the last 24 (laughs) hours (laughs) look at your own last 24 hours and you make a little mark of every time that you ate or drank something. So if it's a sip of water or a biscuit or an apple or a full meal, whatever, like just to make a make a mark. Um, I, I kind of I've sort of misunderstood it. And so we just ticked for every hour of the day that we'd have had something. Yeah. And basically we gave ourselves three o'clock off and the time we were asleep. But apart from that, we basically, all day. Yeah. Every hour, every at least hour. every hour, with either drinking something, eating something, even if it's just water. Yeah. If, then, if it's a cup of tea, if it's a coffee, if yeah. it's a drink of water, that and that to just show you how that's why a baby feeds so much. Yeah. Because they are, they might be thirsty or they might be hungry or they might, like, it, it suddenly eight feeds in 24 hours yeah. doesn't seem crazy. They're a bit stressed and they want just something to chill them out. Yeah. That's what we do that. Yeah. yeah that's, that's, yeah. Yeah, it was that was unbelievable. Yeah, I think that was a really good exercise. Yeah. Anyone who's uh, listening and, you know, is in that thing of think like maybe worried about um you know, having to get up in the night and constantly feed a baby, just yeah, just do it. No no just note down everything and time that you eat and drink during the day and you'll realise you to yourself are essentially constantly having to feed and drink and a baby's no different. It just doesn't. It can't reach the fridge. Yeah. <laughs> so you've got. You've and got some of it's not necessary, but you've, you're you're still doing it for different yes. reasons, which is what they say the babies. Yeah. Do as well. Um. So yeah, they were like there was so much more information in the breastfeeding yeah. thing, and the I mean the basic thing was just to give it a go, and it's it's so it, it's so beneficial to the baby to be breastfed from kind of all the antibodies and the antiviral stuff they get from the breast milk. Well, it was that little graph, not graph, the table she showed us where, you know, a formula milk is food, isn't it? So you yeah. get protein and um, nutrients and stuff like that. But actually uh, breast milk obviously has those, but it also has antibodies and all that that, that they physically can't put into formula milk because 
that anti- antibodies are created by the mother's body. And I think the difference between there's baby-led breastfeeding and parent-led, mother-led yeah. breastfeeding. So the baby-led, basically, which is which is cut my plan now. <laughs> you basically lie down, and the baby just is on you, and then they, just, they just work crawl up. They just crawl up when they <laughs> yeah, when, they're when they're hungry, and then they just feed, and then they then you put them on the other boob, and that's it. And yeah, so just. Yeah. Months of lying, oh well, no, weeks. Weeks. A few weeks just with my boobs out. Yeah. But <laughs> lying it was down. Very interesting. Yeah. And it definitely, yeah. And she, she, she gave us like um, links to, there's like National Breastfeeding Helpline and things. There's yeah. actual numbers online that if people are struggling and do think it's something they just want to give up because they feel like they've hit a wall, there are support networks yeah. that are free, you know, you can actually just call them. It's quite those percentages from the amount of people who start breastfeeding, that was like 80%, yeah. how quickly they drop down. Yeah, people like, give up before seeking help, essentially. Yeah. Because they assume there is they have some problem or the baby has some problem. And actually, yeah, like she said, call the breastfeeding uh, yeah. helpline. Actually, you'll probably, you might be able to work out a way of making it work. Yeah. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm a man telling you about breastfeeding. Oh, God. I'm to uh, rescind everything I've said and admit that I don't really know what I'm talking about. No, but you've been told it by a woman who knows everything that she's talking about. She was such a guru. Yeah, she's a real guru. (laughs) We liked her. I did like her. um, You could, uh, there's a a, a Northwest London breastfeeding group. It's a private group. Now Um, you've joined on Facebook. Yeah, but you had to become her facebook friend to to join the group and she's like this is not this is not a scam to just try and try and get more facebook friends and you can unfriend me straight away but i still kept her as my oh, friend oh yeah i'm gonna be her friend <laughs> oh so yeah that is this week with hannah and carl week 33 <laughs> um which i was thinking 33 if babies were 100 weeks in the room womb yeah. still be it would just be a third of the way through oh my god um I th- I hope that some of that was interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Was to us. Yes. And I've got to look at my notes again to try and remember all the other things that I learned. Um, but thank you for listening. I think we'll probably zoom a guest. Yeah. We'll get again. some. We'll work out some sound issues. Yeah. Yeah. We'll figure that out. Thanks for sticking with us in the episodes that we've done so far. With yeah. That. And we will speak to you again next week. Bye. Thanks. Bye. Television history is contained within the box of delights. It was happening in front of us. Incredible. In our living rooms. It was amazing. Guests pick their favourite television moment and tell us why they love it. And is this the episode where Daisy's just been for the interview at the Woman's Magazine? Flaps. That's it, Flaps. Yeah. Named one of Radio Time's best podcasts of the year. I don't understand people who don't see the joy in drawing the curtains, mug of hot chocolate and something nice on TV. Like, what could be nicer than that? Than having a snuggle. Exactly. Nostalgia in bite-sized chunks. Box of delights from Great Big Owl. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.